time. And maybe you thought coming into here that when you walked in, the building was going to fall down because God was going to smite the building because you walked in, right? And that's an over-exaggeration, of course, but some people truly think like that. They truly think you know, that God has this certain position towards them of, of, of that, you know, they can't come to church because they're too far gone and they're too bad, they're too this or too that, right? Well, this morning, you know, it's, it just, I love how God works these things around because this morning I want to talk about the presence of God. And I don't know about you all, but this morning I just felt it so tangibly in here. I felt it so strongly in here that God was and is in this place. Amen. And, you know, I, I've, I mean, I'll just be honest with you. I think this is good for transparency purposes. I've, I've been going through a little dry spell in my walk. I just felt like, God, you know, I'm showing up to church every Sunday, but God, you know, where are you? You know, I'm still doing the things throughout the week I know I should do. But how many of you have been there, right? Well, you feel like, God, you know, where are you at? But this morning, man, whoo, hit you like a freight train. You know what I'm saying? And it just, it's just amazing when that happens. And so this morning, I really just want to talk about the presence of God and about, uh, you know, what God has for us. So with that being said, let's, let's dive right in. We're going to be in John chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, your, your Bible app, you can open up John chapter 1. Uh, starting at verse 35, we can go to the next slide there. The following, oh, no, no, back, there we go. The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples as Jesus walked by. John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want? He asked. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went to him in the place where he was staying. They remained with him in the rest of the day. Next slide. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what Jesus said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother Simon and told him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said, come, follow me. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your, your holy word. Lord, we thank you for this time together we've had already. Uh, Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, as we just look into scripture, God, that our hearts would be open, our ears would be open to receive what you have for us, and God, that we could grow closer to you today, or that we could grow closer to you, we could grow closer in relationship with you this very day. In Jesus' mighty name I pray, amen, amen. I was diving into this scripture earlier this week, and, and it just, it struck me, just a couple, a couple phrases that Jesus uses in here whenever, he, whenever he's talking to his disciples. These are guys up to this point that Jesus doesn't know yet. You know, we know the disciples as Jesus' best friends that he travels for three years doing ministry with, but up to this point, he hadn't, he, they were just strangers to him. He, he didn't really know them very well. He didn't know their, uh, their personalities, their flaws, the, you know, all, all of the above, Right? But he's, this is his first introduction with them. Jesus doesn't know them. And, and he says two phrases I think that are really important. Um, and I really just want to hone in on this on this, this morning, just this, this central theme. Jesus first says, just a very, you know, uh, what do you want to say, normal phrase. They ask, where are you saying? And Jesus says, come and see. Come and see. He just invites them. Come and see. Come and see where I'm staying at. Right? It's just, a, it's just a normal phrase. Nothing super spiritual about it. We don't want to draw it out of context. He just says, come and see. But then later on, down the line, in the very, uh, very last uh, part of the verses that I read, he goes to his disciples and he says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. Come, follow me. Right? He's inviting them. He's asking them, come. Come, follow me. And we know from all the other gospels, that's what he says to them um, in their fullness. Right? He says, come, and I will make you fishers of men. Right? That word right there, come, 
it's an invitation. He's asking them to come and to participate in what he is doing. And as I was reading this, it, it made me think, well, what other, what other times does Jesus use this particular language? What other times does he use an invitation? And, and I couldn't help but think of Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Go to the next slide. Where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Some versions say, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. It's an invitation. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's an invitation to participate, to come and to join into what God is doing. Jesus invites them into a relationship with him. Jesus invites them to join what he is doing and to become part of what he is doing. And this is a really amazing thing, right? Because this is where the Bible is so amazing and how it relates to us. Because these, as it's been written before, were just 12 ordinary men. Just 12 ordinary guys. These were not the, they weren't the, it wasn't Pontius Pilate. They weren't the rulers up at the Capitol. These weren't high up officials with lots of money. They didn't have the clout, you know. They didn't have all of the, the fancy clothes. They didn't have all these things. These were normal men with normal jobs, normal occupations, normal dudes just going about. And he said, come and follow me. I'm inviting you to participate in what I'm doing. I'm inviting you to become part of what I'm doing. I'm building something here. I'm inviting you to become part of what I'm doing. And the very simple and straightforward message, I don't you love it when preachers get straightforward with you? The very simple message I want to tell you this morning is that God is inviting you. That God is inviting you. You may see yourself as ordinary. You may see yourself as just a normal person like these guys. You may see yourself as less than that. You may see yourself as the kind of person that nobody ever invites you to anything. You may see yourself as the kind of person that is the outcast. You might see yourself as the kind of person that's less than, or you've been told that you're less than, that somebody has told you that you know, you're not good enough. Somebody has told you that you aren't capable of doing great things. And I want to tell you this morning that God is inviting you, that God is saying, come and follow me. Come and seek. Come and see. Come and taste and see that the Lord is good. Come be a part of what I am doing. And the same words that Jesus said to those 12 ordinary men is what he's saying to these 75 ordinary people here in this church today. Come and follow me. Come be a part of what I am doing. Jesus invites them into relationship. He invites them to become part, not just of what he is doing, but to become part of him. To become part of him to join into his life, to join into his power, to join into what he is doing, and to become like him. To experience the life and life more abundantly that Jesus talks about. He's inviting them to become part of that. Now, in the moment, they don't know all that. They don't know all that. They don't know of what they're getting themselves into. It makes me think, you know, there had to be something about Jesus that was some sort of aura, some sort of, you know, vibe, I guess, to use the language of nowadays, right? There had to be something about him, some attractiveness, because I don't know about you guys, but if some random dude walked up to me on a beach and was like, come and follow me, drop everything, I'd be like, I don't know, man, I don't know, you know, I'd have to think about it a little bit, right? There had to be something very special about him, and they could recognize that, right? They said, we have found the Messiah. We have found the one that has been written about. And so what is Jesus doing? He's inviting them to come and to join into what they are doing into what they're doing. And boy, oh boy, do they get themselves into this amazing, amazing journey. You see, Jesus shows us what God is truly like and what these individuals, what these men experience is all throughout their life, you know, the, these next three years. They go on this journey with Jesus. They go on this journey with Jesus where they are, they are confronted with people who are demonically possessed. They're confronted with people who have illnesses, broken bones, 
issues with blood, blind eyes, deaf ears. They, they are, are shown all of these amazing and miraculous things time and time again. They, they are asked to enter into this relationship with God himself. And what happens is amazing, amazing things. Amazing, amazing things. If you haven't read the Gospels, I urge you to. I urge you. I, I, please, do it. Because it will be an amazing, amazing journey for you as you read through them. You can see exactly what these men go through. The important thing, though, I really want to bring this to is, is, is how, does this, how does this come back to us? How does this come back to us in the here and now? I believe fully that our lives as Christians need to be focused around the presence of God. You know, we're addicted to a lot of things, aren't we? Addicted to coffee, guilty. Addicted to our phones, guilty, right? Maybe you're addicted to work. Maybe you're addicted to money. Maybe you're addicted to approval. Maybe you're addicted to pornography. Maybe you're addicted to sex. Maybe you're addicted, children are out, but let's get real, right? Maybe we're addicted to whatever it is that that your particular vice is. We all have things that are holding us back from being everything that we want us to be, right? But what if we were addicted to the presence of God? What if we said, I can't, go another, I can't go another minute without it. I can't go another minute without his presence. I can't go another minute without seeking him in prayer. I can't go another minute without being in my Bible. I can't go another minute without reaching out to him, without going to him. Man, how would things be different, right? We're addicted to all sorts of different things. But what if we were addicted to his presence? Like, God, I've got to be with you. I've got to get in your presence. I've got to go there. And, and how many of you know that God is around all the time, right? God is always with us. God's, God, it's not like God is withdrawing his presence from you. It's us that change, not him. We're the ones that move, not him. And so we've got to put ourselves back in a position to say, God, I want to be with you. I want to go with you. I want to come to you. And that is what Jesus is asking us to do is to come to him. Come to him. Jesus says, come to me, be with me, learn from me, grow with me, heal with me, explore with me, live with me, join what I'm doing. And all too often in our lives, we get distracted. I, I feel like this has just been a theme in, in a lot of the sermons I've been bringing up. I need to say it again because it's been a theme in my life, and I know it's a theme in your life because this is how the devil works. All right, The devil, he's not going to come right out and just kill you, All right, but what he's going to do is he's going to distract you. He's going to distract you from what God is doing in your life. He's going to distract you from the good things that God is trying to do in your life. He's trying to distract you from being with Jesus. He's going to distract you from getting in that time, that presence with Jesus, that quality time with God. He's going to distract you. How many of you know in a relationship that to build a good relationship, you've got to have quality time, right? All the women are shaking their head, right? How many of you know that you, know, you can't expect to have a good marriage? I'm getting ready to get married in like a month. And I've learned these things. I've, I've, I've had great people give me some good wisdom and, and been able to implement these things so far. How many of you can't have a great marriage if you only spend five, five minutes a week with each other? Right? You can't build a good relationship. You can't build a good life with one another if you're constantly neglecting one another. But we expect to have a good relationship with God by only giving Him 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. Right? I mean, let's talk real. I'm the same way sometimes. You know, we, we get so busy. We get so distracted. But what happens is we get caught up in the hustle and bustle of life and we don't, we don't, we don't come to Jesus and say, God, what do you have for me today? We don't, we don't sit in his presence. I want to I go to a scripture here that I think is really going to illustrate this point, not just Walker talking, but let's see what Jesus, a story with Jesus. Next slide. This is in Luke chapter 10. 
where uh, it's with Queen Mary and Martha. And you might be familiar with this story. If you're not, it's going to be really good. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big uh, dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken away from her. Man, I can't think of a single Bible story that better depicts the American uh, world that we live in, right? So what's Martha doing? Martha's doing things that she deems important, right? I, you know, she thinks it's important. Dinner's got to get ready. There's no DoorDash available. We've got to get this dinner prepared. This is Jesus who's here, right? We've got to get dinner ready. And she's doing important things. It's important. Don't get me wrong. That's, a, that's an important thing that she is doing, right? But it's not the most important thing. And all too often what happens is we get caught up doing all the, all the things that we think are important. You know, doing all the things that, that are the hustle and the bustle of life. The work. We've got to make money. We've got to get that bread for our family, right? We've got to go. We've got to take care of the kids. The kids got practice. We've got to go drive them here and there, right? We've got to go to the store. We've got to go do this. We've got to go do that, right? We've got all of these things that are pulling us every which way. Oh, I just got a notification on my phone. Did you see what they said on Facebook? Oh, I've got to share. This is a funny meme. I've got to go share this with my friend. Got a thousand TikToks rolling up and down, right? Man, you guys are stressed out probably just hearing me, but this is, isn't this how our days go every day in and out? And they're all things that we think are important, right? What, Mary was, what, what Martha was doing, she thought it was important. i got to fix this food. i got to get food ready for Jesus, right? But it wasn't the most important thing. It wasn't the most important thing. They could have fixed dinner later. They could have got that meal prepared later. And a lot of things that we prioritize in our life, they'll be there. They'll be there, but it would do us a lot of good if we would just sit at Jesus' feet, if we would just take ourselves before the cross and we would just say, God, what do you have for me today? God, what do you have for me? God, help me today. Help me to be the person you created me today. God, help me to live like you live, Jesus. Help me to live out the gospel in my workplace. Help me to live out the gospel in my family. Help me to live out the gospel with my friends and coworkers and everybody. And here's the kicker, right? We're so focused on these other things. We're so focused on the good things of life, the, the things that we deem important, and we neglect this. But how many of you know that if you focused on this, you'd be better at this? How many of you know if you focus on your time with the Lord, you'll be a better family member? How many of you know if you focus on your time with the Lord, you'll be a better coworker? How many of you know if you focus on your time with the Lord, you'll be a better student? How many of you know if you focus on your time with God, you'll be a better father, husband, uh, all of the above, right? How many of you know if you focus on the good things that God has for you, you focus on getting in His presence, you'll be great at these things. But we get it twisted. We get it backwards. Once again, the devil, he plays the game of distraction. How can I distract these people? Oh, this and that, right? We've got to put first things first, right? And, and Bradley brings this up a lot whenever we're talking sometimes. Oftentimes we place the urgent over the important, you know? I guess the way to, just, to rather than saying important and most important, Martha was uh, concerned about the urgent. What was urgent in that moment? But the most important thing is to focus on Jesus. And isn't that what Jesus says? Listen to what he says. I just love the way he phrases this too. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it, 
and it will not be taken away from her. There's only one thing to be concerned about. I know right now in this room, there are people who are worried about their bank account. There's only one thing to be concerned about. I know there's people in here that are worried about a health report. There's only one thing to be concerned about. I know there's people in here that are concerned about their jobs. There's only one thing to be concerned about. And I'm not saying those other things don't matter. They do matter. But we seek God first. What's the Bible say? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. Amen? I believe Jesus when he says, I believe Jesus when he says things that that it will be added unto you. That when we seek him first, when we seek his kingdom first, when we seek his presence first, I truly believe that everything else will be added unto you. Don't you ever, you know, see how... You know, life just has a way of working out sometimes, you know? It has a way of working itself out. And I believe that's God's hand in our life as we focus on Him, as we seek His presence. God has a way of working things out. He works all things together for good according to those who are called according to His purpose. Amen? Amen. We have this way that we get it twisted. We focus on the things urgent and not the important. The presence of God. The presence of God. And so this morning, I don't want to just, uh, you know, just talk in abstract ideas, but I want to give you several, I want to give you kind of a, a, me- a metaphor, I guess you could say, on, on what this kind of, you know, how many of you here know this is harvest season? It just started like two days ago, right? Well, those plants didn't just come out of nowhere. They didn't just pop up. I know the inner city folks think they do, but they don't. Um, there's a lot of work that goes into that, right? There's a lot of planting, a lot of uh, things that go into, a lot of work that goes into it. And how many of you know that during the, the time of growth, if there's a drought, then there's not going to be as good of crops, right? If there's a drought, then the crops are going to suffer. And you and I will pay for that at the, at the supermarket. But I'm just kidding. But the point make, I'm making is that if there's no rain, then the crops don't grow. They don't grow the way they should. I want you to, th- sorry, I want you to think of yourself as that corn or that flower, I guess, whatever crop you want to think of, whatever crop or plant you want to think of. We are, we are the plants. And the presence of God is the water. It just flows down on us. It just comes down on us. And that is where we grow from. That's where we grow from is his presence. We grow from his presence showering down on us, on his presence being in our life. That's where our growth comes from. That's where our growth comes from is is from the rain coming down and giving us what we need. Amen? Where this metaphor breaks down is that, here's here's the kicker, is that you and I have the choice on whether or not it rains. You and I have the choice on whether or not we're going to be seeking God or whether we're, not, we're going to make that conscious choice to say, God, I, I want to be with you today. Because how many of you know God, he's not going to, he doesn't override our choices, right? I mean, we're not, we're not robots. We have free will. And God's not going to make you seek him, okay? It is, this is, there is this aspect of, you know, I think, like, there, there can be a form of Christianity, I guess you could say, that is, that is proposed. It's like, once you become a Christian, oh, everything's going to become great all at once. No, like there's some work that has to be put into this. Like you have to do things on your end to seek God. To seek God. Do things on your end. Be a mature Christian, you know? And those are the things I really want to dive into now. I want to give you guys some really practical things that have really helped me. And, you know, this is just what's worked for me. Take, take what you want. Leave what you want. I'm just going to tell you what's worked for me in my walk with God. First and foremost, the thing that just gets me most, uh, what do you say, juiced up with the Holy Spirit is worship music. 
I'm an audible person, okay? I'm, I'm, I'm an audio, audible learner. I don't, I don't really read the Bible. I listen to it. I listen to the, to the, I mean, I do read the Bible, but like, you know, to market it and stuff like that. But I, I, I more so listen. Listen, so worship music to me really gets me going, really gets me feeling the presence of God. It, it, it helps me to feel closer to God. You need to find out what that is for you. Maybe it is worship music. Maybe you say, hey, what was that song they sang at the River Church? What was that song? You know, you ask Jesse, she can get it to you. I can get it to you. Anybody can get it to you. But how many of you know we listen to music every day, don't we? And, you know, God bless 92.7, but that ain't going to bring you closer to Jesus, right? I mean, you can still listen to that, but... You know, we got to have that daily dose of, of getting closer to him. On your drive to work, how, how much better would your work be if you just turned on some songs of praise, right? If you just, if you began to grow closer to God. And once again, this takes a little bit of work. It takes some intentionality. It takes you getting on your phone and making the playlist or getting on YouTube and making that playlist, right? It takes a little bit of work on your end. But at the end of the day, do we want to be closer to God or not? You know, I want to be closer to God. So I've taken intentional steps to have those things in my life. Worship music is, is a really big thing. So, like, I have a Google Home Mini. Anybody have anything like that? Okay, Google, turn on worship music playlist. It's that simple. I've got it set up, and it's playing, right? Once again, it's what works for me. Find out what works for you. But music is a really powerful tool. I talked about this several weeks ago. Music is a very powerful tool in drawing us closer to God. Find out what works for you. Reading the Bible, okay? We make this way harder than it needs to be. We make it way harder than it needs to be. At the end of the day, what are we striving to do? We're striving to be like Jesus, right? That's, I mean, that's the goal, right? As Christians, we want to be like Jesus. I don't know about you, but that's why I'm here, because I want to be like him, right? And so whenever I'm reading the scripture, I am searching for things that will help me to grow closer to Jesus, things that are going to help me grow closer to Jesus. So what, what, are, some, what are some practical ways you can do that? If you're going to be on your phone, get off TikTok and get on the Bible app, they have plans on there, okay? I'm getting really practical. You can't walk out of here today and say there's not a reason that you can't grow closer to God. I'm giving it to you. you there's literally plans on there. Are you worried with anxiety? They've got a plan for, a Bible plan for anxiety. You can click on it. Seven-day plan, 30-day plan, whichever one you want, right? Are you, do you have struggle with worry? Do you struggle with, are, are you curious about, you know, maybe you're, you're curious about creation or whatever, right? There's all different, I mean, there's like a million Bible plans on there. And literally anything and everything that you have interest in, you could go on there and do it. And here's the coolest part. You can actually set a reminder that will remind you. It'll give you like a notification, you know, instead of getting the TikTok notifications, maybe you get the Bible notification instead, Right? All things that we can set up, you know, I was bashing on phones earlier, but you can really set those things up to help you for success, too. Help you for success in uh, your walk with God. And so some, whether it's, whether, you know, I'm not, I'm not judging. If you only read one, like one chapter and one verse, maybe the only Bible reading you have for the day is the verse of the day. I'm not judging you because you're taking steps to become closer to God. Amen. But you got to do something. you got to do something. Because how many of you know we've got all kinds of different voices coming in our ears? We've got, what did the song say today? I will hold fast. Or it, was, it was like, I'll hold fast. I won't listen to the lies or whatever it said. However, however Jesse's saying it uh, beautifully. But the point being is we've got a lot of lies in our ears, don't we? We've got a lot of people that are, a lot of naysayers, a lot of people that are saying things that we know aren't true. How, what, if we, what if we rooted ourselves in what God says? What if we listen to his voice every day, just five minutes? Listen to his voice. How much better would we, uh, how, how much closer would we feel to God? You know, how much more rooted would we be in our relationship with him? It's five minutes. 
verse of the day. Maybe you read one chapter. Maybe you read a whole book of the Bible. To each his own, right? Seek God. Seek God. There's ways that we can do this to really strategically set ourselves up. Next. Um, you know, if you're, if you're really wanting to go that next level, podcasts are great. Um, podcasts are a really great way to do it. And, and uh, to, to really, you know, what's the Bible say? Study, yourself, or, uh, study to show yourself approved, right? Study to show yourself approved. And I think, I think if I have one critique of the American church, like, I think it's, God bless Billy Graham, but that, that era of Christianity made it to where the believers are spoon-fed by the pastor. Oh, here's this amazing sermon. Here you go. Amazing sermon. Amazing sermon, right? And because we're spoon-fed by great preaching, we think, well, throughout the week, I don't really have to do anything, do I? You know, I just got to wait till the next revival or wait till the next camp meeting or wait till the next Sunday service, right? Because we've been spoon-fed for so long, we forgot how to eat ourselves. Forgot how to feed ourselves. And we've got to learn that skill again. You've got to learn, you know, how to, how to have those daily rhythms. And, and back to what I was saying, I think podcasts are a really great way. Christian talk shows are a really great way to do that. Find uh, what's yours. I, I have a couple that are really great. Um, you can ask me after church um, for the specific details. But, you know, those are things that take you to a deeper level, to study, to really study. What does God's word say? What does it really say? Because how many of you know, I mean, we do our best. We do our best to break down the scripture for you guys. But how many of you know, never in a million years will you ever get all of the Bible education you need from the sermons that we preach? Fair enough? Never in a million years. I mean, you come to the church for a million years and there's still more in the Bible and God's holy written word than, than what we can bring to you in these 45-minute sermons, right? That's why you've got to study on your own. You've got, to, you've got to get into the world on your own. You've got to develop these habits on your own to really to really be intentional about getting closer to Jesus. And to wrap it back around, you know, to kind of close things off here. That's what Jesus says to them. That's what he says in, 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 uh, in John 1 and Matthew 11. Come to me. Come to me. And some of you in here, everybody in here is different places. But we're to come to him. To come to him, to seek his presence. Come to him whether or not you're married. Come to him whether or not you're divorced. Come to him whether or not you just bought your house. Or come to him whether or not your house just caught on fire. Come to him whether or not you're healthy. Come to him whether or not you're sick. Come to him whether or not you're rich. Come to him whether or not you're poor. Come to him whether or not you know, you're happy. Come to him whether or not you're sad. Come to him whether or not you just got a new job. Or come to him whether or not you just got laid off. It does not matter where you're at in your, in your life. God is always calling out to you. He's always calling out to you. Come to me. Because what you've got to understand is that you are his son. You are his daughter. And he is calling out to you to take you deeper in relationship with him. Because he loves you. Because he loves you. And maybe you're in this place and you've never really felt loved. You never really felt like... How could anybody want me? How could anybody want to be around me? How could anybody want to, want to, to uh, have a relationship with me? Well, I'm here to tell you, as I said earlier, that God is calling out to you. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to become part of what he is doing. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask the band if they'll come back up. And everybody, if you'll close your eyes and bow your head while they come.